Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. So today, Coach Luke and I want to talk a little bit about um, diets. And what I mean by that is I made a post on my Facebook the other day that got a lot of engagement and it got a lot of different types of opinions. And basically what it was asking was uh, for individual opinion, like low carb, low fat diet, intermittent fasting, what has worked best for you and why? So that question kind of sparked a lot of conversation in the comments. And basically when Luke and I looked at it, it was interesting because it was all over the place. There was people that had tried this and tried that, and this worked for some person, this worked for another person. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. We're going to keep this episode kind of short, but I thought there was a really good lesson to be learned that we can kind of talk about with you guys for a little bit and really understanding why do all these diets work for different people, right? And that's the question that we're going to answer today. So kind of, and I kind of let Luke weigh in a little bit. So my first opinion when I was reading the comments, Luke, was about there's so many people that are die hard on one diet versus the other, right? Some people that were in the comments were like, I really enjoy low carb. Other people, you know, like keto, right? Uh, there was a couple people in there that did carnivore that didn't even eat vegetables, but they felt great and they had lost weight or been able to maintain their physique. So it, in your opinion, man, like why do you think that there's, number one, there's so many diets out there, which we've talked about multiple times, but why do you think that it's so important for people to understand that really like all diets will work and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so it's like we've said before, all diets will work depending on how long someone's able to stay with it. So I think the two big things that like people don't think about is sustainability of a diet and mm -hmm. enjoyment of a diet and like your lifestyle. But overall, all that all the different diets are, whether it's keto or carnivore or anything like that, is just a reduction in your overall caloric intake. And they just have different fancy ways of wrapping it up and giving it to people. Yeah. But I mean, I think that that concept is interesting enough because if you look at like um, Dr. Kevin Hall, Dr. Lane Norton, right, and their big components of it, that's all they talk about, right, is, you know, seco calories in, calories out, that type of thing, which we've touched on. But I definitely think with all these different types of diets out there, people don't understand that, yes, you're, you're changing the fat content or the macro content. But overall, in order to achieve any type of results from a diet, you have to control for, pro for protein. You have to eat a sufficient amount of protein. And then you have to make sure that you're in a deficit. So I think a lot of people on all these different diets, like you said, I think the diet industry has figured out, which it's not a bad thing, but I think they figured out by removing carbs or removing like the carnivore diet, removing carbs and some fat, right? Other than animal protein sources, removing certain things just straight off the rip from the diet produces a lot of freaking calories, man, for what somebody's eating. So instead of having to pitch, hey, I need you to track your food, right? If you want to enjoy you know, what's called flexible dieting, right? Eating a little bit of sweets, eating a little bit of cake, having a drink, you know, eating what you want. Instead, they're just like, we're just going to remove a whole component of macros, which like you said, puts people in a deficit. But I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like, I think it's, they're so tied to the diet that they don't realize the overall concept across all of them is exactly the same. Yeah. I feel like it's also a lot easier for like biz, big businesses or corporations to polarize an audience and demonize one subject of what would be a diet. So if you're to demonize fats or carbs, you can't really demonize protein because mm -hmm. everyone has enough common sense to understand that that builds muscle and is a necessity. Yeah. But if you're able to demonize fat or demonize carbs and sort of neglect a whole food group, it allows for one easier for someone to potentially follow the diet where if you're like, okay, I just don't have to eat carbs and like the long term, it seems simplistic where you just disregard a whole food group or vice versa for carbs. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like it's also easy to kind of spike that controversy and have more people talk about your diet if it's like something as polarizing as saying that you can't eat carbs. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's just, you know, the research now that's came out, like with Dr. Kevin Hall, right? That's, you know, one of the only researchers to date that's actually compared multiple diets across, you know, a long enough time span, right? Like, you know, 12 weeks and then it goes to six months and it goes, what are the diets results after 12 months? But I think, I think that's a good point, man. I think creating that polarization in the marketing really kind of, it repels some people and attracts some people that maybe have tried that before and it has worked or, you know, people feel better on a low carb or a low fat diet, you know, whatever it may be, depending on the person or even carnivore. Right. But I think that it's so important to understand that as long as you're in a net caloric deficit, no matter which way you pick, if it's easier for you to cut out carbs and not eat carbs and you feel better and it creates a deficit. Cool. If you want to do carnivore and you just want to eat meat and animal products. Cool. But I think that that's what's really interesting in the diet industry now, especially when I was reading some of those comments by, by people on, on my Facebook that there's so many people like that's the hill they'll die on. You know what I mean? Which is cool. Like if you feel that way and it makes you feel great, more power to you. Right. But I think when you start projecting that opinion on someone like this worked for me, it won't, you know, it should work for you. That type of shit. I think that's where a lot of people start getting in trouble with that polarization. Cause even in studies, they'll compare diet A to diet B. And that's why, like, Dr. Kevin always like, let's compare diets A through Z. Like, not just low-carb versus this or, you know, low-fat versus this. And I think that's a really interesting component for a lot of people. Yeah, I think a big red flag, too, is when people do speak in absolutes where it's like you have to do this diet in order to mm -hmm. lose weight or something like that. Or I think a lot of people just can't see from another lens that isn't their own. So they lost weight a certain way. And that's just all that they know and they haven't tried any other ways or they've tried other ways, didn't stick to it. Mm. But the one way that they found, they just become a zealot for it and are super diehard and will just preach and preach and preach that that way works until the cows come home. When for certain people, it just doesn't fit with their lifestyle. While right. from a scientific standpoint, it's a calorie reduction, but just for you being able to sustain it, it doesn't make sense for certain people's lifestyles compared to others. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I think the key word you had, man, is important is, is it sustainable? I mean, straight up, like yeah. it, it's still a deficit, but like you said, people will become, you know, a zealot on one thing and it worked for me. So it should work for you. But if you compared person A and B, it's like, okay, is this diet sustainable for that person's lifestyle? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like we both know that Carbs are a non-essential macronutrient. Like, obviously, they help with performance and they help you feel better and taste good. But when you look at it from a scientific standpoint, they're non-essential. So you could do something like carnivore or meat. But mm -hmm. in terms of sustainability, like, people like eating carbs. Carbs make people feel good. There's some studies that say it helps with, like, dopamine and serotonin and other various mental benefits, having carbs with depending on what time they are. But in terms of a physiological need, there's no essential need for carbohydrates. So yeah. people could live without them. But in terms of sustainability-wise, you're never going to have someone who's going to be like, okay, I'll just give up carbs. Like people cut out sugar and various other carbs from their lifestyle. But mm -hmm. to completely give up something like that, you can just tell that it's not sustainable. Yeah. No, and I mean, I think that's a good point. And it's just, it's always for some, it's always focused around carbs, dude. Yeah, cause, well, I feel like it's because people know that protein you can't demonize. Fat, if you do demonize fat, you're going to end up destroying someone in the long run on a mm -hmm. hormonal level, whether it be with like hormones or digestion, mm -hmm. where fat, because you are potentially able to live without it, people are just like going to pick and choose little different things. Like 
whether it's sugar or other different things like fruit. Some people say you don't want to eat fruit because the sucrose, other things like this, all the crazy shit out there. Yeah. No. And I mean, that's the thing, man. So when you look at like the studies done, like metabolic trace studies where they've actually looked at, you know, carbohydrates and fat, which this is from like Lane Norton preaches this all the time too. But it's interesting because people think carbs make you fat, right? But a lot of the times when carbs are broken down into fat via DNL, right? So when you eat a carb, that glucose is broken down, you know, metabolic process that you produce fat, right? And that fat is stored, used, whatever. But that's kind of that one saying, like, which it's ironic that people are like, well, fat makes you fat. You know what I mean? If I eat a high fat diet or fat in general, I'm going to get fat. But the interesting thing is, like, I would argue, which some studies have shown, like, if you cut carbs out, right, people are like, well, I'm not going to overeat carbs or I'm not going to cut them out. It's like, dude, on a keto diet, you can overfeed fat. Oh, you yeah. could still be in a surplus and get fat eating keto. There's people, probably thousands and thousands of people that have done it and they're like, keto doesn't work. But they'll have, you know, butter, bacon, whatever, right? And it's still the same concept. It's like, well, you're demonizing carbs for making you fat. But then some people will try keto and they still gain weight. And they're like, well, what the hell is this? I remove carbs. But it goes back to the whole thing, man, bringing it full circle. It still comes down to since fat's so calorie dense, I would argue it's significantly easier to go into a surplus. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. I feel like it's easier. Like if you once I found out how much like uh, I think a calorie wise on like a spoonful of peanut butter is you're hitting over like 200 calories and all the amount of times where I've just had like a spoonful of peanut butter and you just don't even realize how many calories that is like mm -hmm. one of the oldest bro tricks out there for like telling people to bulk is like to just add a spoonful of peanut butter to like your protein shake or eat a spoonful of peanut butter uh before you go to bed yeah and things like that are like that's an extra almost 500 calories right there so it's really easy to overindulge in things especially when you don't taking to not saying to track everything but when you don't really have an idea of the exact measurements of what you're consuming and you're just kind of going by eyesight and various things like that it's really easy to overtrack when you think that this certain food group is like holy and not going to hurt you if you overconsume it the mm -hmm. only one that really that you can overconsume all day and not be in trouble is like vegetables. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like even protein. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, even though protein, yeah, has a bunch of benefits and it's definitely, pro I mean, we agree, it's the most important macro you need to consume. But overall, it's just like, you can still be in a surplus. If you're on a carnivore diet, you can literally still eat in a surplus. Oh yeah, especially when you get into like red meats and have meat, you're getting protein and fat from the same source, mm -hmm. things like that. And then just in terms of uh, overall enjoyment of life, I don't think many people would enjoy just eating like a plate of ground beef yeah. or like ground beef and cheese, like for every single meal well, where it's like, you're just uh, doing fat and protein. Uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Jordan Peterson follows that diet and he literally in an interview, the guy was like, do you still do this? And he's like, yeah. And he said, I do it. It sucks. Yeah. He's like, I feel great. And, but it sucks. <laughs> I feel like it's for, you have to be a certain level of like masochistic or crazy and just like putting yourself through trouble. Like Joe Rogan, he does the carnivore yeah. diet once some year, I think. He does it for like a month or something. And he knows it's not sustainable and he doesn't like doing it. But it's just like there are certain studies where I don't think it's necessarily for all the mental clarity that people get from changing the diets. But mm -hmm. I think it's more or less putting yourself in the struggling situation where you kind of get that mental clarity because you're voluntarily putting yourself into suck. And then from that, it's like, okay, I'm overcoming this struggle. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. 
I can do all this other shit that I've been putting off for months or years maybe. Yeah. So it's kind of just like I think for a lot of people who talk about all the benefits of the extreme diets, it's more or less just them regaining confidence in themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, man, but like caloric restriction has been proven to help with, you know, autophagy, longevity, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff, right? And then people talk about like fasting, right? That's one of the huge components for fasting. And then we'll kind of touch on that and then we'll wrap this up to keep it short. But I think that's like the fasting zealots out there. Like, you know, I've tried fasting. I Liz fast. You know what I mean? A lot of people do. But it goes back to the same thing, low carb, low fat, you know, whatever you want to stand on. It's like people like fasting is the cure. And it's like, yeah, man, like it's been around for thousands of years. And that may be a good way to restrict your overall calories and help a little bit, depending on other things you may have going on. But if you're just looking at it from a weight loss perspective, it's just like, dude, if you restrict a feeding window to eight hours a day, most people are going to eat in a deficit. But then even on fasting, some people can gain weight because they'll binge eat. Yeah, in, those, in that eight hours, man, it goes back to the same thing. Whether you're still eating in a surplus. Yeah, which even I know there's I think it's called the Nomad Diet, where you eat one hour a day or one meal a day, something like mm-hmm. that. Depending on how extreme it is, like fasting, I think there's a lot of I'm not sure exactly on the studies, but I know a lot of people get uh, various like mental clarity from it, depending yeah. on what it is. Where, mm-hmm. um, depending on who you are, but I think for a lot of people, they think that if they restrict themselves to these extremes much like how if people justify overeating through exercise yeah where they'll say hey i burned x calories i can eat x y and z which is t- total like, shit it's yeah total bullshit. total bullshit we've already talked about that before but it's like if i fast for eight hours i can eat more things which it's like you're not missing the point or you're missing the point you're not allowed to do that it's just overall a calorie deficit yeah so i mean so overall like the takeaways that, that we wanted you guys to get from today is doesn't matter. And again, that Facebook post kind of really made me start thinking about it. Doesn't really matter whatever way or diet that you choose to go down. You go down that road to lose weight. If it is good and it fits your lifestyle overall, and it's something you can adhere to more power to you. Right. But just because something worked for you doesn't mean that it'll work for somebody else because you have a bunch of different components that go into it. But I definitely wanted to give everybody clarity on this to understand that even though there's all these different types of diets, right? You can look up, um, like I said, Dr. Lane Norton. You can look up Kevin Hall, um, Bill Campbell. So all these people that have done a lot of extensive studies on this if you want to nerd out. But the overall thing I want everybody to take away is it still creates a net caloric deficit. De- deficit. Blah. And I think Luke had a good point, which I really want you guys to take away is that tracking and at least even if you do it for seven days just to gain awareness of portions and what you're eating peanut butter is a great example you have a a tablespoon of peanut butter you just blop it out right but then you weigh it one serving is 32 grams on most peanut butters yeah right so you your tablespoon to my tablespoon maybe two different two different weights yeah and it's not like a like just it's really weird to see once you actually start measuring things like that it's depressing dude yeah you get like you're used to getting like a heaping tablespoon and putting it all over like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then it's like, in all actuality, you get like just the tablespoon being filled up and then that's 32 grams. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons Luke and I wanted to do this episode to help people avoid the frustration and just to understand that you can be in a deficit, right? And you'll drop weight. You know what I mean? You can have some other hormonal factors, weight loss resistance, insulin resistance, some other things that could impede it. But for the most part, a lot of the times these different diets, that's what they're inducing. They're putting you in a deficit, right? Calorie restriction in one manner, way, shape or another. And I want people to avoid the frustration. 
So like a, you know, like we talked about with keto, you could, you can get fat on keto. You can gain weight on keto. You can gain weight on eating low fat. You can gain weight on car. You can gain weight on all of them. You can also lose weight on all of them. Yeah. So I think that's a really, really clear point that we wanted to get across to people. Um, but I mean, under that man, do you got anything else? Uh, I think just the biggest thing to take away is that across all diets, there's two things in common. It's a calorie reduction or just like a caloric deficit. And typically it is some degree of high protein. Like no diet's going to tell you to do low protein or anything like that. So if you're just someone who's looking to start, uh, we have an old podcast. I believe it's our first one about finding out your macros, Mm -hmm. but just getting overall the idea of how many calories you're supposed to eat, Mm -hmm. putting yourself in a slight deficit, and then just trying to keep protein high. If you're someone who doesn't want to follow a specific crazy diet, that'd be my best advice to anyone. Yeah. And I mean, and just for protein guys, typically, like if you Google it, it's going to say 0.8 grams to one gram per pound. Um, That's the system we use here. But the reality is, I mean, that keeps it simple. But if you, you know, need to lose weight, if you need to lose 20, 30, 40 pounds or more, ideally set the protein at your goal weight. Yeah. So if you're, you know, 250 pounds and say, you know, you're a female or, or even a male and you're like, man, like I want to lose 50 pounds. I want to get down to 200 or lower. Set the protein at your goal weight. Okay. And then if you know, or at a moderate weight, so say you're anywhere between 140 and 160, you can still set the protein at your goal weight equivalent to one gram per pound. But you, like Luke said, you want to make sure that you're getting a sufficient amount, right? So you want to make sure that it is a doable goal. Um, if you guys have any questions about that, you're more than welcome to reach out. But if you go down the Google rabbit hole, that's probably what you're going to find. And yeah. then putting yourself in a slight deficit, I think, was really important. So typically, two or 300 calories would be a good start as long as you get the numbers right and make sure that you guys try a different online. If you're going to use whether our podcast or a couple different calculators, try a couple because you're going to get a couple different numbers. Yeah. And in our episode, we walk you through kind of how to do it by the math. But don't go too crazy either. Like we talk about, just rewatch that first episode because we yeah. go really in depth on how to explain it all rather than us trying to reiterate it for another five minutes. Just mm-hmm. go back and watch um, the first one. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, I hope you guys got a lot of a lot out of that. Um, what I started doing is on our episodes, if you look at the description, I've been putting some Q&As. So if you guys have a question, if you put it in there, Luke and I will get it. We can answer it. So you can just put it. It'll log it and notify us. And then we can cover it on a future podcast. The other thing I want you guys to do is be sure that you go leave a, a review for us. Okay. It takes less than a couple seconds. We would really appreciate it. Um, we don't run any ads or anything like that. So we want to make sure that you guys enjoy it, but also we would really appreciate it. And it helps our podcast get out there to everybody and puts our podcast on people's lists.